One too many. The holiday horrors. The contraceptive pill came to Australia twelve months too late for me. I was already washing my first diaper. <laughs> An act which only confirmed my original premise. I was just not motherly material. But hey, nor were most of my friends. And we confirmed this fact to each other over weekly get-togethers. When we met for toddler playdates. When we met in the doctor's waiting rooms for our second pregnancies. My ankles are really swollen. How are yours? And when we rigorously conveyed this and more to our husbands when in labour. I swear, this is the last one. Thirty years later, when travelling 1,200 kilometres between Brisbane and Melbourne to babysit during school holidays, I was equally convinced I wasn't grandma material either. I would happily put my hand up to admit I was the female equivalent of the Grinch. But whereas he wanted to cancel Christmas, well, you get the idea. With only 20 months between each of the three children, and determined to be a working mother, my daughter-in-law clearly needed help in school holidays, and this I provided with love. So, when do the holidays begin again? Yes, of course I'll come down. But little enthusiasm. Oh, I would love to. Fortunately, granddaughter Susie and grandson Joey were easy to look after and played with each other with minimum upsets. Baby Chloe was an entirely different story. Within months, it was obvious this little girl had her own agenda as to what she would eat. I don't like green stuff. When she would sleep. I'm not tired. What she would do. I want to go up on the roof. And when she would do it. I want to go up now. She had a total aversion to the words, No, can't, wait, and later. And as a result, spent many an hour in self-regulated isolation where she would play on her own. No amount of coercion would encourage her out of her room. Now, I was well aware that grandmas are traditionally the bearer of treats and exciting excursions, but I did find this difficult to uphold with children who had literally received every advantage money can buy. If there was a trendy new kids' fashion, they had it. A new toy, they were dumping theirs when other children hadn't got around to taking it out of the box, and sweets and lollies were always in ample supply. Without a car, we would be restricted to public transport, which was expensive, dirty, and viewed by the kids with absolute scorn. Alternatively, well, everyone agreed that the delights of Williamstown for kids' playtime was pretty scant. And, of course, we won't even mention the weather. Renowned for executing four seasons in one day, as, along with extreme everything... Wind, rain, storms and temperatures. Even so, I took my role seriously and did what I could for daily outings. 
Occasionally, I attempted to venture into the city of Melbourne for a children's show or shopping expedition, until the outing that would be known forever as the Melbourne Day. That was the day I experienced the full extent of Chloe's endearing individualism. After a long walk, and then two train changes, we arrived at Fitzroy Station in the centre of the city. First, a literary illustration of the entrance to Fitzroy Station. It sits at an angle between a major crossroad of multi-lane traffic, including four tram lanes. Crossing from one side of the street to the other is a worrisome hazard at any time, with three small children. It borders on difficulties equal to Hannibal crossing the Alps with his elephants. With Susie holding my left hand and Joey holding hers, I felt reasonably confident they would come to no harm. With Chloe firmly being gripped by my right, I felt equally confident we could make the crossing intact. The walk sign came on and we stepped off the curb, which coincided with Chloe deciding she needed to take off her jacket. A difficult task when your grandmother is holding your hand securely. Difficult, yes, but not impossible. Wriggling like an eel and pulling back with all her strength, the jacket now languished half on and half trailing the ground, providing tripping hazards for both me and therefore her siblings, let alone the tightly packed crowd around us. Look out, you stupid little gal. Then, as we approached the middle of the crossing, she went into her coup de maître, her masterstroke. With the hesitant walk sign giving way to the red don't walk, she threw herself onto the ground, pulling first me, then the two other kids on top of her. <coughs> with traffic either side of us pulsing ready to move and rearing to go. There were now four members of the Forbes family straddled in a heap on the ground, in the middle of the busiest section of the busiest city in Australia. My memory is hazy as to what happened next, but I remember two gentlemen came to my aid, with one first helping me up. Here you go, love. That's right. Give me your armour. That's right. Then picking up Susie and Joey and walking briskly to safety. The other picked up a screaming Chloe, whispered something quietly but firmly in her ear, Now look here, you little brat. If you don't... Which may or may not have been a politically incorrect suggestion of what he would do to her if she was his kid, and then deposited her firmly on the other side of the road with her siblings. Needless to say, I never ventured to the city with the three again. This was by no means the only time Chloe pulled a stunt like that. There were many variables. Indeed, she was very creative. One that especially comes to mind was on her own turf, in her own little township of Williamstown. In order to break up the monotony of the day, I had suggested we take an afternoon walk along the rather attractive esplanade and take in an ice cream as a special treat. 
However, Melbourne's inclement weather looked likely to strike again, and by way of a trade-off, I opted to turn it into a morning jaunt instead, in the hopes to avoid getting drenched in rain. This meant that we were suddenly in a certain amount of time restraints in getting ready. Suitable clothes, shoes, hats were sought. Grams, I can't find my sneakers. And yes, sunscreen applied, just in case. Then we were ready. Well, that's to say two out of three were waiting at the door, waiting for their sister. And where was she? Well, Chloe had her own idea of suitable clothing. She had a lot to choose from, and apparently it took a good deal of time to first select, then try in variable combinations, reject, and then begin again, before decision-making could finally take effect. All cajoles and entreaties were, of course, ignored until Chloe found the right combination. On this particular occasion, we duly curbed our patience until Chloe was ready and we could finally embark on our little jaunt. All went well until I allowed the three to be involved in the decision-making of ice cream choice. Bad mistake. We were at a crossroad with two diverse options. Tim's 25 Tropo flavours against the Big Barry's Bumper Berries. Needless to say, it became a two-to-one, with Chloe missing out. Like the American president of today, she didn't like losing and acted accordingly. As the three of us turned to the left for 25 tropo flavours, she pulled to the right for bumper berries, and then pulled the familiar stunt. With arms and legs flailing, accompanied by a crescendo of screams, she threw herself flat onto the ground and, pulling up her skirt, threw it over her head, which was her big mistake. Her brother and sister first looked at her with impatience and anger, which immediately turned to laughter. Seven-year-old brother Joe, his cherubic face broke into the widest of grins. She's gone commando. Chloe's commando. She isn't wearing any pants. His voice was loud and clear and attracted passers-by on both sides of the street. Titters, giggles and out loud laughter ensued. Chloe was suddenly the centre of attention. And once again, I stood in the midst of a condemning crowd of mothers wishing I had never been one. Yet I would needs admit that this little five-year-old was able to outdo these escapades in a moment in time which will always personify her early years. As mentioned, Williamstown was scant on entertainment, but it did have a fine little library, which was my sanctuary. Fortunately, all three kids loved books, so while not considered a treat, regular visits every few days was totally acceptable. The normal M.O. was to take the 10-minute walk by a circuitous walk by the park. Stay browsing in the library for half an hour. Me amongst the current editions of Newsweek. Them in the kids section. They would then choose three books before the walk by the shorter route home. On this particular day, all went well until the checkout. 
At the appointed time, I rounded up Susie and Joey and directed them to the librarian on desk duty. Then I called Chloe. Chloe, come on, Surprisingly, she appeared on the first call. She was carrying a very large, very heavy book, similar in size to what we would now know as a coffee table book. It practically dwarfed the little five-year-old, who was almost hidden behind it. In fact, it looked like a book on legs. Even so, she gamely waddled over to the checkout and with great difficulty heaved it onto the desk before the librarian. Now we could see her choice more clearly. The name of the book was in heavy Calibri print, black letters against a plain turquoise cover. The Art of Sex stood out clearly with subtext... 169 suggestions to stimulate and arouse your libido, with full graphics of the complete Karma Sutra. In addition was a how-to guide for fellatio and index to the best contraceptives currently on the market. The librarian and I stared first at the book, then at each other. Chloe That's a very grown-up book, I said tentatively. Yes. Do you think you can read it? Yes. Do you think you'll be able to understand it? Yes. It has a lot of big grown-up words in it. Yes, but it has pictures too. It's very big and heavy. I can carry it. Chloe, the agreement is that you all carry your own books home. Yes. Why do you want that book? Because I need to know how to make babies. Dalemate. It was then that the librarian committed an innocent but cardinal sin. She used the C word. Trying to be helpful, she said, Children can't take out adult books. As aforementioned, the word can't was an anathema to Chloe's ears. She threw the book onto the floor, began to stamp her feet, then threw herself onto the floor in her usual supine position, shouting out, But I need to know how to make babies. Petrified, the librarian continued with only missing one beat. But we can make an exception in this case. The tantrum stopped. The child stood up, heaved the book into her arms and made her way to the automatic door. The further she went, the more her steps faltered. We watched her make her way down the path and then stop. That's when I knew irretrievably that there was a god. She slowly turned around and without a word retraced her steps back through the automatic door and heaved the book back onto the desk. (sighs) Next, she made her way to the children's section, picked up a copy of Roald Dahl's Naughty Nursery Rhymes, and gave it to the trembling librarian to check out. With her new library book now safely under her arm, she joined us, and we all trudged home. That was a good many years ago. All three grandchildren are now grown up and ready to embark on their lives as adults. And yes, possibly parents. 
I love them all dearly, but if pushed, would have to admit that there is a special place in my heart for the one that gave me the most grief. After all, I've just written about her, and if you've got this far, you've listened. Thank you. You have been listening to One Too Many, The Horror of Holidays, a retrospective, written, narrated, and produced by Brianda Cross. Thank you for listening. If you are a regular, thank you for your patronage. If you are new to Fast Fiction Podcasts, you may like to go to our website, fastfictionpodcast.com, and check out our other titles, which are in a variety of genres. Until next time, bye for now.